This is heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. All right, last but not least, we have Tammy David, who is here. Want to throw it to her again? Love the head wrap. Thank you, Selena, so much. Um, I felt that in light of what's happening this weekend, this week in the world, it is my duty as a black woman organizer to be blackity black and to make it perfectly clear where I stand. Okay, I love my wigs, I love my weaves, but at the end of the day, I'm a 4C sister and it's probably my son that's gonna get gunned down in 2040. So let's talk. Um, you all know me as your problematic fave. I'm always spouting that real nonsense. This week, my problematic opinion is white allies, shut your mouth and listen. This is the show where we will teach you how we're feeling, how to address us, how to go out in these streets and represent us, and most importantly, what you can do to use your privilege to amplify what's going on around you. So thank you to all my friends, all the listeners out there. Yasmin is joining us live from Paris. It's going down in Paris right now. Shout out my Algerian sister. Thank you to all our white allies on the call right now. Jackie, Molly, Rachel. It is your duty and responsibility to carry what you learned today into your communities so that maybe they can stop murdering us. But before we get to all of that good stuff, uh, first we're going to go for the news roundup, which is what we do here on Be Heard to let y'all know what it is this week, what you need to know out in these streets. We're gonna cover stories that make you laugh, cry, and most importantly for today, rage. So let's start with the rage, because I know we're all feeling it. Amy Cooper, Amy mm. Cooper, also known as Central Park Karen. So this week, Amy Cooper was filmed by innocent bystander and bird watcher, black man Christian Cooper, minding his business in Central Park. He documented a back and forth between the two in which Amy Cooper called the police on him and said that an African-American male was threatening her. Now, mind you, this is another black man minding his business and another backyard Betty, Becky, um, patio patty, whatever, Central Park Karen. It's another one of those instances where our people have been vilified and tensions escalated with the police. Fortunately, Amy Cooper was almost immediately fired from her job at finance firm Franklin Templeton, where she managed their insurance portfolio. But the moral of the story is, how many of y'all are out there? So Tiffany, how many of them are out there? Because I'm worried. Yeah, there was this meme that said um, a lot of Amy Coopers work at nonprofits and a lot of Amy Coopers are in our workspace. And I could just know for myself, like you, you deal with those like liberal white women who seem so woke and aware until they have the right opportunity to fall back on their privilege and say that they're going to threaten you with the police. So like that, that's the reality for a lot of women. I mean, excuse me, for a lot of black people. And, and I think it was interesting that the way people galvanized around him, the bird watch, because I think, you know, he wasn't, you know, the quote unquote typical black person that, that you know, he went to Harvard. He was, he, you know, he wrote for Marvel. He was a bird watcher, which I was like, none of that matters. Leash your freaking dog. <laughs> like, like, that's it. Like, leash your dog. And 
here was this black man saying to leash your dog and you didn't like that. So you felt that you can say, I'm gonna call the cops say that African-American man was harassing me. And like you saw how quickly she was able to weaponize those tears. And that happens all the time. And it's and, it, and when I say that, you know, these Amy Coopers work out our job, you they're the reason why a lot of black women get burnt out and leave, you know, nonprofit organizations or don't get the promotion because a lot of them they think they woke until they're not, until they have to use their privilege against you. Stanley, I'm gonna throw it to you next because I know specifically you can speak as a black man on what's going on. How do you feel about the fact that Christian Cooper had to have his credentials thrown around just to be validated of being in the park and asking someone to respect park rules? Well, his credentials shouldn't matter and we know that, but we also know that white women are the biggest threats of black lives, particularly black men. So I just naturally get nervous anytime I'm around a white woman that I don't know. I sometimes even get nervous around like white women who are my friends because white supremacy works in the way that when you see black people, particularly black men in proximity to white women, you assume that those black men are, are threatening those white women. Um, and that savage um, Amy Cooper knew exactly what she was doing. And it's pretty indicative of what isn't happening. I mean, Amy Cooper's across the world made false police claims on election day in 2016 to elect Trump into office. So this is pretty on par for what they do. And yeah, it's usually the one that's in a nonprofit. She's usually the executive director and she thinks she's progressive because she had sex with that one black guy in college when she was mad at her dad. Or maybe her and some black guy made out or she, you know, she had her first gay moment with a black woman so now she thinks she's totally fine. And these are the same problematic white women who put black lives in danger all the time. I am happy for all the trauma she's had in her life because of this. Selena, you're a journalist. How many of these Amy Coopers do you see? Because I feel like it's way more than I get to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that no matter in any profession, simply being Black, you have definitely come across uh, an Amy Cooper type person. Someone who, um, you know, claims to be progressive, but in a heartbeat will weaponize their whiteness. And to me, I want to say that what I think this incident did in particular, it proved that white people know their privilege. They know it and they understand it and they use it when they want, how they want. Because I feel like a lot of us, who you know those that saying like, oh, I don't see color. No, you know color. And when, it, when you wanna use it for your advantage, the fact that you are white, you will. And to me, that, that's what unfolded here. Um, I know a lot of liberals and progressives also seem very upset about how Amy was treating the dog. And I felt like they came to that dog's rescue. Like, if, if only society and police could protect Black people the way they protected that dog, they took that dog away from her in a heartbeat. So, and it just goes to show, like, again, why do we have to keep saying Black Lives Matter? And it also, to me, it also was reminiscent of that whole thing when they were saying lions, um, Lion Lives Matter. Remember that whole big thing? Yeah. When the, um, yeah. Right, and they were like, lines like, and I'm just like, folks, it's, it's just getting too much. And like, obviously this happened, I think the same day that we all, uh, that the George Floyd video was unleashed. So it was just a lot. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't even imagine like what it, I brought up your, your, your journalism because I can't even imagine what it's like to be a black person in the space that is responsible for neutral oh. 
and unbiased reporting of these instances when it's literally your people getting hurt. So thank you, Selena. Um, speaking of dogs, I'm just gonna transition smoothly into the next topic, which is President Trump. Just wanna give you all a quick political update. Um, Trump had a dramatic week this week, and so I'm gonna just lay it all out for y'all and you can respond to whatever you want to. So summing up his week, which by the way included encouragement of shooting protesters that prompted Twitter in a dramatic first to flag a presidential tweet for glorifying violence. Trump has cut ties with the World Health Organization amid a pandemic, is postponing the G7 because he, feel like it, he feels like it doesn't represent what's going on in the world and that it's outdated, has denounced China continuously on the coronavirus scandal, and is now ending the US's special relationship with Hong Kong. What can we do when we have a clown in office that literally enables not just the Amy Coopers of the world, but the literal white supremacists that are working hard to dismantle protesters and kill us? Selena. Well, I mean, to answer that question directly, we can get him out of office. That's what we do. Trump has shown us time and time again how incompetent he is and how he continues to put out dog whistles uh, when it comes to white supremacy. Not only did he say when the looting starts, the shooting starts, but he also said that he's ready to unleash vicious dogs against protesters. And we all, I mean, he, we all know what happened in the 60s. When, exactly. When you had white police officers and, uh, and, the and the military literally sicking dogs on women and children and unarmed black men. Like, it, it was just horrible. Like, we all had those visuals and those images in our mind of them being hosed down. So for him to continue to say things and to rely on that type of language um, to basically just incite a race war, it just shows you he is unapologetic about who he is and his base. And it's time to get him out of office. And that's why I have said unapologetically, look, I'm voting for Biden because I want Trump out of office by any means necessary. Tiffany, I know that there's a whole slew of hot mess that this dude is doing, but what's making you angriest right now? I think what makes me angriest about the whole situation is his response to the protesting, especially when we saw white people fight for their right to die um, uh, via, um, they fight for their right to die because they didn't want to wear masks. So I think that is, um, interesting um sorry i'm a little distracted i think we have a sorry i forward the link to someone <laughs> anyway so i think what made me the most annoyed about the whole situation is that i think um two weeks ago we saw white people fight for their right to die because they didn't want to wear masks and the stay-at-home orders and then the same state in minneapolis we see them fighting because we saw for eight minutes this person say that he couldn't breathe and I think that's what's making me the most angriest and he said that they were fine people and they had the right to storm the state house and demand the stay-at-home orders to um pretty much uh, go away so I think that's what makes me the angriest that's fair Stanley you think Trump saw Selma or nah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Donald Trump, you know, stopped being busy from trying to have sex with his daughter and and t taking hydrocortisone or whatever he's taking to deal with the COVID virus, he climbed up from his hole in the wall and decided to go out to Black Lives. 
the, the president is absolutely going to use this moment to try and take advantage of the police state and damage and put more black people in danger. And he's a garbage white person. And so are the garbage people who voted for him, who are mostly white people and, and mostly white women. Um, I see a question if, the, if um, Donald Trump saw Selma. He probably did and thought the movie was about him. You know, we, yeah. we are in a really, you know, this is a very dangerous time right now because you have somebody who has the entire military industrial complex in his palms and he can't wait to use it. So this is not like before. We, like um, Bianca said in the comments, we, we literally are at war damn near. This is really bad. Yeah, and that's the truth. Um, one of the things that we're going to talk about later on is that this is a war, and it's not just white supremacy, but it's all the tools that it has in its belt, which include capitalism, the respect of property, respectability politics, and more. But, you know, especially in this weekend, I feel like Trump's words have been so brutal because he continues to perpetuate white supremacy by saying when the looting starts the shooting starts you are actively encouraging your base to get out there but let me talk about the other side of that problematic stuff for a minute there are those on our side theoretically who are also giving leeway to thoughts like this next story covers tory lanes who had to check a celebrity who was crying over a gucci bag Tory Lanez had to step up and step out for black people and other blacks against other blacks who are perpetuating capitalism and white supremacy by going against protesters and rioters in the streets by saying, celebrities, stop using your platform to come up here and say anything that's against what the people in the streets is saying. If you're not out there, bro, if you're not protesting, marching with these people without your security and extra shit, you shouldn't be talking and having a voice in this. Until you go out there, study what's going on in the streets until you understand what's going on in our community. But until that, just stop, get off Twitter, and ask your PR what you should say. So yeah, there's a huge issue with Trump supporting white supremacist movements, and we know that there are Amy Coopers in the world that will protect Heck their white at all costs. But guys, the very real question is, what do we do about our own? that is crying and protesting our pain. Selena. Sorry. I'll say this, because that's a great question. Um, it starts by us speaking up, and I thank God that Tory Lanez is using his platform to really speak power to truth in this instant. Because to me, if you're not on the ground, if you're not actively working for justice, you're part of the problem at this point. And like, if you, want, if you want to sit on the sidelines, also stay silent on the sidelines because we don't need that right now. What we need is encouragement. What we need is empowerment. We need to come together collectively. Anybody, anything else is just noise. Like everyone else who is working in this movement and for the progression and liberation of black lives is trying to get something done. If you're not with us, you're against us. No one wants to hear from you. So like to me, the answer to that question is we have to just, you can't, like obviously theoretically you can't silence people, but you can overpower them. So we need to let them know that which side we're on and we need to keep continue to speak our truth so that they know what's up. For real. Stanley, I know you, you and I are on Black Twitterverse. Have you seen some of the discourse around what Tory Lanez is saying right now? I actually watched Tory Lanez on Facebook Live arguing with the woman 
that was crying about the Gucci stores being closed. And what she was saying that she wasn't crying about the Gucci store, she's crying because black people are looking like savages right now because we're robbing and looting. And I just want to point out the fact that one, I feel pretty strongly that there's a lot more like fascist groups out there who are helping to instigate things in these communities than people want to talk about. And two, so the hell what if we're rioting and looting? The protesting and the kneeling didn't work. This is what you get. There's only so far you can go before people blow up. Like, I don't, like, rioting is not my thing. That's not something I want to do. I don't want to destroy property. I want to do that. But you know what? Like, I get it. This is what happens when you ignore people. This is what happens. And the real problem are the savages in the police department who are running over people. But I'll save that for our conversation later. Absolutely. Tiff, how do you feel about Tory Lanez coming to check all the celebs that are talking out their necks? Um, thank you, Tory Lanez, for having some sense and understanding your point of privilege and understanding that you as a celebrity have a huge platform and your platform should not be used to chastise and wag your finger at poor people, those same poor people that support your music, T.I. and Killer Mike. Like, how dare you, you know, get on TV and shuck and jive for a system that doesn't care about you. The same person who was fighting to get Bernie in office, the same person who shot down a black woman when she checked Bernie on his politics. I think it's really troubling that, especially like these black rappers who do not have like the political education or awareness to speak on these issues. They are really out of their range and out of their depth. And there was another, like, even these social media influencers like B. Simone and Desi Banks, like, they are so out of their depth. And it really, to me, showed me how um, not smart people are. And I'm not meaning that in a mean or malicious way. People really don't know their history beyond, like, MLK quotes and, and Malcolm X quotes. And it's scary how much people do not read and how quickly they're able to share memes of right protest and wrong protest and not even realize that the picture that they're using from a right protest is from Bloody Sunday. So mm -hmm. it's really troubling to me when I see that. So I don't want to be so dismissive of them, but someone really needs to pull them aside and educate them. And when we talk about like the looting and the rioting, yes, I understand that there are small businesses that are being impacted, but I feel like the way we talk about these small businesses, these, these are the same businesses that did not get any help from the federal government during this pandemic. Mm -hmm. And we didn't say anything about this. Like we, we need to be cognizant of how we are talking about these issues. I don't care about a Target. I don't care about any of these big box corporations that pay their workers $15 an hour when they make a billion dollars a day. Like we need to be really thinking about the messages that we're putting out there. You know, what did we say that writing and Louis, the voice of the unheard? Like a lot of us, you know, are probably middle, in, middle class. We have our degree. We are probably not really experiencing the type of trauma that, you know, someone in Minneapolis or whatever, or maybe we have like these small interactions. Like a lot of times people are under intense, you know, police interactions and pressure and enough has to be enough. Like, I'm sorry, like there's, there's no amount of money that can bring a life back, but Target can always rebuild, you know? And, and, they, and they came out and said that was like, listen, you know, we're not, we're not sweating this. And Tiff, here's the gag. Companies like Target have been lobbying the federal government to pass a law so that they would not be held liable for firing people yeah. right now and would not be held liable if people contracted COVID while at work, even if these companies did not do the basic necessities to keep the facilities safe and clean. This is what they're fighting for. Target can burn to the ground. 
Mm-hmm. Amazon can burn to the ground. I do not care. Like, I'm, I'm just not interested in these, in these groups anymore. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. I think we need to remember, um, in line with our next story, that celebrities, if I'm being quite frank, they're a part of Massa's house. They use our bodies and they use our talents and they perpetuate the capital system that keeps us under the boot. So at the end of the day, celebrities can talk all they want, but they don't have the perspective of being on the ground, being a lower class, working class individual that is treated a type of way when we're out um, in the public. So on the last note, um, before we get into the meat and potatoes, so to say, of our segment, I just want to end on a sort of positive note for the news roundup, which is that Pride Month begins tomorrow. June 1st will mark 51 years since the historic Stonewall riots that created the platform for gay rights that we do have today. Um, Although, you know, cities like ours are still shut down, organizers have found effective ways to host virtual events online, some of which include a virtual Reclaim Pride, a drag event on the 14th, and lots and lots more. If you are looking for ways to actively plug in and support LGBTQ persons, particularly Black trans women, Black queer youth, hit us up at Be Heard Talk. I have an article full of resources that I'm willing to share with anybody, and happy pride. As a gay sister, I want to just say thank you to everyone out there in the movement. Thank you to Marsha P. Johnson, who threw those first bricks and got us to where we are today. It's important to remember that as these riots happen, Black, queer, and trans people suffer the most. On that last note, RIP Tony McDade, you are always remembered, never forgotten. And now, time for the main segment. Thank you so much, Tammy. I'm so happy you ended on a positive note. So I appreciate you for that, sis. Yeah, we are going to switch it up. I mean, we're at the point where we like we just literally started talking about the riots and stuff like that. It's so top of mind for people. So I do want to just, um, you know, j- just start this conversation by saying I'm tired. And I'm tired of watching black men and women killed on videos that become mur- murder porn. I'm tired of reading stories about white cops and vigilantes hunting down black people or even killing them in their sleep or while they're eating ice cream in their own homes. I'm tired of having to depend on a system that lets these killers walk away from their freedom, with their freedom or even with their lives while black mothers, children, and communities cry out for the life that was snatched away from us. I'm tired of telling society that black lives matter. I'm tired of a system that elects, protects, and empowers racists. I'm tired of having these conversations and I'm tired of the emotional trauma that it causes in our communities each and every time. We're all tired. And yet again, here I am opening up another segment on Be Heard Talk, talking about the same thing. This time his name was George Floyd. And this time he was killed in Minneapolis by a white, white cop who remained completely calm as he put his knee on his neck and suffocated him as George pleaded for his life, all while being recorded on video. And in response, cities across the nation are up in arms and literally on fire. Some people are protesting 
while others are expressing their pain, anger, frustrations by looting and rioting. But I'll say this, for generations, the Black community, we've been doing any and everything we can to raise public awareness about this injustice. Like we, we write articles and op-eds, we hold forums to explain the continued devastation. We try to support and elect candidates who promise change. We've even lived in isolated communities throughout history, yet we reap the same results where we are killed, murdered, and terrorized. And that's why on today's episode of Be Her Talk, we're asking the question of what will it take for us to breathe? We will also talk about the civil unrest in over 30 cities around the nation. And I want to start this conversation with a personal check-in because I know I'm tired. I know I am mentally exhausted with all of this emotional trauma. And I want to check in with you guys. Like, number one, how are you feeling? And what was your reaction to the video of this white cop kneeling on George Floyd's neck while he continually said i can't breathe i'll start with you tiffany um so one i really try to avoid those uh videos and i'm sure as the conversation goes on maybe we'll talk about like how we post those videos on social media but i did end up seeing the video and it was just it was just like you know like almost like an out-of-body experience because it was just like you know, as soon as I heard him say, I can't breathe, I immediately thought about Eric Gardner. And then to think that how can this cop not have that same sort of thinking and just have like calmly and coolly just have his hand in his pocket while his knee is in his neck. So I was just really taken aback by that. So for like the, like the I would say since like Thursday and Friday, it was like hard to go to work. Normally I wake up, I meditate, I work out, I be trying to do my Eat, Pray, Love and Hot Girl stuff and it was just like nah i'm gonna just work in the bed this week i'm signing into my zoom calls you know right on time or five minutes late like i just didn't want to do anything because like how can you do something when like this real stuff happening to people that look like me and i work for an organization where i have to fight for an issue that yes is important but it's not as important as my black <laughs> my black and brown sisters getting shot down by police on camera and people telling us that our eyes are lying um, for all those who are watching via Zoom, if you have a question or comment, please hit the Q&A box and we'll address your question and comments there. Shout out to everyone who is watching this live via Facebook. We see your comments as well. Shout out to you, Vivi uh, and Don. I'll say, I felt, honestly, I felt exactly the same way. Like, it was so hard for me to work this week because I'm like, for, like you said, it's trauma. And like, okay, so I'll say this. Um, I was assigned to edit this story. Like, Literally Monday, no, it was Tuesday morning before this story really blew up and imploded into national headlines and was getting picked up by black media outlets. I watched the video without warning. Everyone, everybody else knew how this was going to end. I was like, okay, let me see what happened so that, you know, keep things factual and actual with the story. So I'm sitting up here watching this video of this man die. I like, I lost it. I was like, like, it felt like I was watching a scary movie. You know, when you're yelling at the screen, you're like, no, don't go in there. Stop. Like it was, it was one of those reactions for me. And it was, it was just a lot. And like, I warned my mom, I was like, mom, don't watch this video. Like I was like, there's certain people to me that if I'm reacting like this, I don't want to see people 
who I know get really, really upset and angry, watch this video because it's going to take you to that place. And that place is dark. Um, and th that was my reaction to it. Uh, Stanley, I'll throw it at you. Um, I know that you've said you haven't watched another murder video of a black man or woman since Philando Castile. And you told us offline that when you did watch Philando Castile's video, you could not work for three days. What was your reaction to the video of George Floyd? So, yeah, I, I did not watch the video. I mean, I saw clips of the cop having his foot on his neck. I refused to watch the whole thing. It's... You know, you, you, so, like, you see so many people, like, so many people go through this, and you see it so many times, and you see the same reactions. I just felt heavy. I felt defeated already, because I was like, all right, well, they're going to say he had drugs in the system, and they're going to blame it on diabetes or something else like that. And they're going to say that, like, his knee didn't do anything. And they're probably not going to charge the cops. Or if they do, they'll do it through a grand jury. And then they'll say the grand jury didn't find enough evidence. Because we've seen this movie a million times before. And it just feels so heavy because it's like, I, like, I feel like I have an idea of what the long-term solutions are. But the long-term solutions don't do anything for the painful right now. So, like, the whole week, I've just been, like, feeling heavy and helpless and just frustrated, honestly. And like not really knowing what to say or what to do because like Selena, we were like, I mean, I've known you for 15 plus years. How many marches have we been to or organized? Remember Sean Bell? Remember the Genesis Six? Trayvon Martin? Like at some point it's just like, what, like, what are we doing? You know, like, and, you know, it's, it's been good to see some friends who, like, I know who haven't been, like, involved in this way before. Like, they've been showing up to the protests and the marches. But as somebody who does this work, like, for real, for real, like, I feel guilty because it's like, am I lying to these people? Because what's going to happen, what's going to happen six months from now when another person gets killed? So, I don't know. It's, it's been a rough week. Having a bit of an existential crisis. Oh, like I think many of us are. Tammy, definitely want to get your thoughts, feedback. How are you feeling? What was your reaction? Honestly, heavy and helpless is the mood, Stanley. Heavy and helpless is perfect as a descriptor. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, we talked last week about the mental health stuff. And like, I'm not a person that can hide my emotions. And like, even as I speak about it right now, I'm tearing up because... It's just so weird to like witness something that's so brutal and then have no control over it, you know? And I'm so sorry. It's been having a weird weekend. So I knew this was coming during this show, but yeah. I just feel like, especially when you organize in these spaces, right? Like, what can you do when people are questioning even the validity of your anger? Like, when people are telling you that, you know, it's fine, like, pass a law, get people to go vote, this is not the answer. That, it's, it's never worked, it's never worked. And the guilt that I feel as, like, a light-skinned, middle-class, like, liberal city-living woman is tremendous. I don't 
I can't watch the videos. I don't do the videos. I'm far too emotional of a person to look at the videos. But at this point, when social media is blasting it everywhere, you have still images of a dark-skinned man on the ground with a knee in his neck. And when you have, you know, white allies telling you to not to worry, like just to get back to work and like, you know, this organizing is worth it. But when we know Stanley for a fact that it is not worth it and there will not be changes made from this, when we know in six months from now, George Floyd will just remain a name, that really kills me. And so this weekend has been absolutely brutal because heavy and helpless is just the absolute feeling. All we can feel is just, tremendous pain that all four of us who are sitting on this call are personally affected and work our hardest day and night to get some sort of change and still might not even live to see the day where officers are held accountable for this kind of misjustice. So I'm feeling so wrecked today. Can I just jump in, I just want to be clear, like, it's not not worth it change is happening it's just really slow it's and that's what like that's where that's what hurts like we can, like in this moment we absolutely cannot give up absolutely cannot you got to cry you got to be angry you got to punch something you got to scream you got to process whatever you need to process but in this moment we absolutely cannot give up because it's not great it is not great. I'm, I'm not going to tell you it's great, but we are winning. And arc of just, the arc of justice always bends towards us, but only if we're fighting. Stanley, I'm really happy that you said that because I actually want to ask the question. I actually point out that the police response um, to this murder was actually really quick. The four officers were fired, I think within 24 or 48 hours. Obviously, that happened as a result of the national outcry. But the mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Frey, he has been very forward and blatant calling for Derek to be prosecuted and sentenced. He even said, if I killed a man on, on, on a video recording, I would be in jail. Why, why isn't Derek? So not only that, but the man, the white man that we saw who literally put his knee in George's neck, he has already been indicted. Uh, he's been charged with manslaughter and third degree murder. Uh, when this, when a similar case like this played out a few years ago with Eric Gardner and Derek, uh, Daniel Pantaleo, who we all watched choke the life out of Eric Gardner, was still working on the NYPD force for years on end. So has, is progress being made here in the way that this story is unfolding and this case, Tiffany? Um, I definitely think... I keep going back and forth whether it's progress. It's progress in the sense that we would never see this, like you said, five years ago. When I was out marching for Eric Garner and Sandra Bland and all of those cases at that time, you would never see that. You saw police unions coming out saying that he deserved it, he was overweight, had no business selling Lucy cigarettes, yada, yada, yada. So So it's definitely progress. Yep, those shirts, there's definitely progress in that sense. But it's slow because you think about it, like at the end of the day, we still lost a life, right? We still lost a life. And how can we just even stop it from, from happening? And I feel like that's where the disconnect is. And I don't think it's a matter of police 
retraining this and the third i feel like the nypd is the most trained police department in the entire world they train other police departments so I don't know where the progress, like there's progress because they fired him and they brought him up on charges, but where do we start shifting um, from these cases to not happen at all? For these interactions to never get to the point where we are seeing a man die right before our eyes. And we see what happens in these protests, how like there's, there's no sort of de-escalation. Like none of that exists for the, the police department because I feel like they inherently feel that they have a right to police us. And we could, if we want to go back really quick to like the Amy Cooper, like she felt like she had a right to police that man or that woman at the Target in the wheelchair, even though, you know. She got handled. Listen, but she felt that she had a right <laughs> to Target and stab people. Like white people really feel like they got a right what if they have a badge or not to police black people? And like that mind frame has to shift. Well, like, just real quick, be made there. <laughs> just real quick for those for people, people who don't know what's going on. There was a woman um, who in a wheelchair who was letting white people into a target when they were looting in Minnesota. And then when a black woman tried to go in, she tried to stab that woman and try to stab other people. And then they jumped her and blew a fire extinguisher in her face. And then like, so like a whole bunch of people were trying to come to the white lady's defense until the video surfaced of her, of her trying to stab people and also of her walking. So it was <laughs> it was just a big mess. Well, Tammy, I, I definitely want to get your thoughts on this because people are fighting back. People, obviously, we've hit a point where enough is enough. But also, to, you know, to my earlier question, things are unfolding very differently than what we've seen in the past. Would you call this progress? No, I wouldn't call it progress. And let me tell you why so sure you know the officers have been charged my question is how will that end up george zimmerman was on trial too but he walks free at the end of the day my real gauge for progress is in mainstream discourse as well as sort of you know the electorate so in terms of mainstream discourse I don't really see progress because what I see is that there is still protection of and upholdance to the status quo. At the end of the day, people are making the same remarks that they did about Eric Garner and about all those lives that have been lost. They're asking, well, what did he do to deserve that? And to me, I don't really care if he was charged. That's not progress. That means mainstream society as a whole is not even ready to address the fact that this man was killed because he was black. The second is in direct answer to Jackie's comment. So Jackie writes to us, you hear every politician right now, including Mayor de Blasio saying the answer is to go vote. Is that a response? Is that response a total cop out for actual accountability? And the answer is yes. This is why I don't feel like progress is being made. Capitalism progresses and evolves. It is smart. It is evil. I think that society understands now that black people are going to rage and so all of these pr firms all of these unions behind the police brutality behind the mess they know what they need to say to make it look like they're progressing but at the end of the day are we electing folks who believe in their hearts that black lives matter are we electing politicians who can say black lives matter without shaking in their boots in front of white constituents? Are we electing folks 
who are unafraid to cut the budget of police unions that are absolutely rampant in the city. No, we are not. Mayor de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo are praised nationwide for being liberal leaders in a time of a pandemic crisis and look at their response to the protests happening around George Floyd. No, we're not making progress. Don't even just look at that. The mayor is looking to cut every single budget in the New York City budget except for the police who have a $6 billion budget. Boom. Andrew Cuomo, since he's been in office, has closed five hospitals and has made major cuts to education and has stopped bills from passing because there were specific earmarks to help black and brown communities. He has done that. He's the reason marijuana legalization has not passed because in the bill that's the most popular right now, at least 30% of the revenue from marijuana legalization would have to go to directly impact the communities from the war on drugs. And as they say, when you're in Albany, the second floor doesn't support that. So the bill keeps getting killed. Governor Cuomo is a racist. So is Bill de Blasio. Just because you have sex with a black woman and have a black kid don't mean you care about black lives. Let me just, can I, I'm sorry, Selena, but I'm going to stack on that. So to add insult to injury, every city agency is getting a cut right now, around 5%. Correct me if I'm wrong, Stanley Tiff. But the NYPD is not seeing any cuts. But the CCRB, the independent body meant to be a place of police accountability, they are also seeing that cut. And they have made it clear that they have no intentions of cutting any of their staff. So where are the cuts going? All of these protests you see around New York City right now, where officers are literally kneeing protesters, macing children, you know, beating people in the head with clubs. What's going to come of that? Well, thank you. Facebook, if it's okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Tammy and Stanley, for those comments. Let's actually talk about the protests. And let's talk about the response to the protests now that it's come up. Uh, earlier in the segment, Tiffany brought up, I think, Killer Mike. Let's talk about his comments, right? So obviously, we see civil unrest around the country. People lighting things on fire. People are looting. People are rioting. Uh, we see the president's response. He said, shoot the looters. Uh, so Killer Mike, he, had a, uh, he was part of a press conference in Atlanta, and he urged the protesters not to burn down their own communities. He didn't say the community, he said your own community. And he pointed out that 40 black women own restaurants in Atlanta, and that protesters, in his opinion, should instead focus on organizing and voting out local and national public officials. He said, and I quote, it is your duty not to burn your own house down for anger with an enemy. It is your duty to fortify your own house so that you may be a house of refuge in times of organization. Tiffany, what's your take on the riots and looting taking place in the cities across the country? And I know you mentioned Killer Mike before. Um, do, you, do you not agree with any point that he is making there? Um, so I understand his point about you know Atlanta is a black city that also has a governor that stole an election so let's not forget that but I came across this uh, I think it was like a meme that's saying that if you are a black business and let's say you know your place gets broken into looted whatever the case may be what is your connection to that black business like, how are you really feeding into the community to make sure that your business is not touched? Because not every business in Minneapolis was being burnt down. 
Like a lot of black businesses were not touched. So I think we need to really like evaluate like you as a black business. Like what are you doing as a black business? It's not enough for you just to be a black business and a black owner if you are not really pouring into your community. And that may seem like it's a large responsibility to ask, but like this is the circumstances that we have because no one's looking out for us. So I understand what Killer Mike is saying, but you you live in a gated community, brother. <laughs> like, well, I mean, what's happening to your point? The black mom and pop stores and black businesses, they're surviving. A lot of times, people, black entrepreneurs leave corporate because they're, they're sick of the racism. Right. And they're, they're sick of the systematic ills that they deal with there to start their own businesses. And a lot of times, they're barely making overhead. So they might not be able to afford a turkey drive every Thanksgiving and Christmas. But the fact that they're there, to me, is black resilience in itself. And I think that, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I actually, I want to throw it to you, Stanley, because, um, you know, I, I get what Tiffany is saying, but there are still black businesses who are be, that are being affected. One particularly happened in Virginia, and they you watch people who were looting out of this black business who, as reported on Twitter, was very community-based. And it's not just black businesses, it's also the mom and pop stores. And also, I mean, and if we're talking about Target and burning down corporations, what about the low-wage black and brown workers that depend on those paychecks? So when we're talking about looting and rioting, are we forgetting about who's also being affected, Stanley? <sighs> I mean, listen, it's, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, that's one of the things that's had, that's had me torn because a lot of the damage is going to get done. Our communities are going to have to face it because it's going to be the jobs that our communities rely on, the stores that we go to. Um, like, Listen, you can't, like, I can't be mad at what a bomb does after it explodes. I can ask the question of what set the bomb off. And that's where we are now. And also, if you want to talk about black businesses, we passed a bill in the federal government that was supposed to give these guaranteed loans with forgiveness to small businesses to stay afloat. And almost no black business got that money. And we talk about, like, all the ways that black businesses don't get government grants, like, that's that's something that's that's something that we should focus on more more than like what's happening right now because right now is you have the uncontrolled rage of a collective people who have been ignored and gaslit i don't want the violence that's happening to happen i don't want people to be fighting police i don't want people to fight police the police to fight people i don't want us to be setting stores on fire i don't want targets to burn down but we're here now and i know why we're here so maybe the better question should be why do we why did it have to come to this i don't know uh, uh tammy you are have been very unapologetic about dismantling capitalism and you know we've had talk offline about a revolution before you know correct me if i'm wrong a revolution does require blood it does require some sacrifice where do you stand when Obviously, the most vulnerable people in this whole in this mayhem are still being affected. Where, where do you stand? What are your thoughts on it? And also PPP, because you mentioned that before. If we're going to talk about black businesses deserve the PPP money, which is the paycheck, uh, the um, for, the program. paycheck pro right pro. Thank you. And then we burn it down. That sounds hypocritical. Tammy, where do you stand? So. I'm, I've been waiting for this question for, for 
you know, since we planned this segment, because I think a lot more people need to realize that racism and capitalism are not constructs that are mutually exclusive, right? And that capitalism uses racism to perpetuate its ill effects and its profits. So at the end of the day, we need to do what we need to, and we cannot protect assets above people, period. Capitalism has brainwashed and trained society, arguably, especially people of color and folks in lower income or lower education communities, to equate property, items, and value with personhood and community. Businesses do not equal our community, and that's on period. Like how corporations are now equated with people, our worth has been based on inherent value. And so there is something very poetic about the fact that the riots based around our lives are destroying profits and capitalist margins in of themselves. When we were freed as slaves, do you understand how much money white people lost? So no, I'm not pressed about a target. And I do understand that there are casualties within our community. But unfortunately, black capitalists like Killer Mike need to realize that the two are very intertwined. And while yes, there are steps that we can take to protect our community from damages, such as funds for business owner losses, such as signs and establishment and educations in the form of a green book that used to exist in the South to let people know about which businesses were black. Ultimately, there need to be measurable, profitable losses. Because at the end of the day, a lot of the people who are saying that we're ruining our communities by protesting, these people are customer service Karens, okay? As soon as their orders get messed up or a black business doesn't ship them their free brush with their detangling products, they are the first persons on Yelp giving you two stars. They are the first persons calling the Better Business Bureaus and they're the first persons complaining. So consider these riots, consider this looting, and consider these protests my customer service as a black taxpayer to the government. I could not care about businesses and prioritizing profits. And at the end of the day, I think those of us that are worried about the effects of, of our protests and the Black Lives Matter movement, let's move beyond, let's go with what Stanley, let's move beyond that and say what caused this and how can we alleviate this damage? Not let's get people out of the streets because it's the only thing they're listening to at this point. Mm -hmm. I'll say this, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I say this, like, I'm in, I'm out on those streets, right? I support the riots, like, I understand what Martin Luther King said when he said, a riot is the language of the unheard, but I think that we're speaking from a place of privilege, because you cannot say, like, I want to dismantle capitalism, and we need to take all this all down from a very comfortable place, like, you know what I'm saying, like, if I was, if I put all of my investment into a business and that's the only thing I had to make ends meet, then that's, then I'm going to be speaking from a very different place. Like it's, it's, look, I work from, I work mobily. A lot of us work in tech. A lot of us work in different industries. A lot of us don't have a brick and mortar, but when that's your only, your only lifeline, 
to, to, to provide for yourself and your, and your family, it's a different conversation. And I'm all for the radical methods and the radical solutions. I want change too. But the practicality of it is black and brown people, black and brown business owners and black and brown workers are going to be the ones who are hurt the most in this by taking this way. And I want to throw it back to you, Tiffany, because this is a tough question. Mm-hmm. Like we all understand why people riot and mm-hmm. we're no one, no one on this panel is condemning that, but let's not forget about who's being affected by it either. Right. And also there's been video of white people and white protesters damaging these buildings and damaging different things. How do you feel about that, Tiffany? Because it feels like it's all falling on black people. One, I feel we've seen a bunch of videos of black people stopping those white folks, like stepping in, saying like, fall back, chill out. And I protested with a lot of white people and had to check them, like, listen, you're doing too much because when the police come, they're going to come for me. They're not going to come for you first. They're going to rough me up before they even touch you. But to the point about the businesses, I don't know if you guys saw that documentary on Netflix called She Did That. But one of the women on the documentary, she talked about how a lot of times black uh, entrepreneurs, they do pick anything that they make they go it goes right back into the business compared to a young white entrepreneur where they could just go to uh but an angel capitalist or venture capitalist whatever and get that money and i feel like if i'm an entrepreneur you need to be mad at that system itself the fact that you have to put everything that you put into your business where a young white boy from westchester or wherever that comes from privilege to just walk into a bank you know, and just have a basic business plan and they give her a hundred mil. So I understand that. But uh, then again, that's how you have to see it. The fact that you have to put everything in your business and the fact that a riot could take it all away compared to the next white person. That's why you need to be fighting with us because the system is not helping you in your business. Like I said, I know people are all upset about black businesses, but those black businesses are not getting the PPE loan. It's three o'clock. Those, those black businesses are not bouncing back and not because of rise, but because the system is making it very hard for you to even thrive to yeah. begin with. Those yeah. are great points. And I, I don't know if Zoom's going to kick us off. I just heard the no, it's not. Oh, Okay. That was my, cool, that was but- my Selena, can I just interrupt real quick? I do have some poll results. Um, so we asked three poll questions. One was, do you think progress is being made? The majority of people who did the poll on Zoom said no. The next question is, can you trust the police after everything that has happened? Um, and about Eight people took that poll out of the 13 who are on, and eight said no. We also asked, is it wrong to write in this moment? And eight people took that poll as well. Six said no. One said, what other option do we have? And one person said they're not sure. So I'm going to share those results for everybody so that you have them now. But those are the poll results from the polls that we did. Um, go ahead, Selena. No, um, thank you for that. And thank you for everyone who is participating in our live polls as we speak. But you know, Stanley, so Colin Kaepernick, he actually said that he is full of revolts uh, that are happening in the streets right now. And he said, because George Floyd's civility led to his death. So it's time to revolt. My mm-hmm. question to you is being a historian or, you know, someone who claims to be a, a history buff, are we headed towards a revolution? Because it, it doesn't feel like we're just protesting. Would you classify this as revolt, rebellion, or revolution? I would classify this as an uprising. Okay. That's what I would classify this as. Because, like, there's a, there's a collective language and expression being given out across the country right now. And that, that collective expression and emotion is rage. And I don't know if we're in a space of revolution, but we are definitely in one of those tipping points in history where something has to change. And 
that's why I don't want people to lose hope because for all the organizers out there right now, what you should know is when things are like this, when they are the most chaotic, that is when the opposition swoops in to put in major change. I'm sure you saw earlier today, the president said that he is going to mark Antifa as a terrorist group, Antifa to the groups, people who are anti-fascist. Do you know what Antifa is? My group, the group that I work for, Citizen Action, we're anti-fascist. So depending on how they word this, my organization and many others like Black Lives Matter and even some unions will be considered anti-fascist. And you know what that means? A license to arrest and detain and chase out. And you got the right kind of government in there right now to do it because you got a white supremacist as your president, you got governors and mayors all across the country who adore police states and you have a bunch of chaos. So it is super important right now that we mobilize, organize, strategize. This is just the beginning. And there are things that we should be and can be doing right now. Because like I said before, a lot of this stuff is long-term and a lot of this stuff we will not live to see it, but that doesn't mean that we are absolved from the responsibility of fighting for that thing. So that's where I am right now. It's maybe not a revolution yet, but things are getting very hairy, very quick. And we got a presidential election in November. What else do you think is going to happen? Mm. No, well said. Thank you, Stanley, for just breaking that down. Um, you know, we talked about a lot, Tammy. Um, you know, it's easy to identify the problem. It's not so easy to identify the solutions because as I started this segment talking about how Black people have tried everything, peaceful protests, kneeling on a, on a football field, they had a problem with that. Um, when I said we were living isolated, I'm talking about in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street. I'm talking about in Philadelphia when they dropped a bomb on a community that was basically just self-sustaining and that that happened in, in numerous instances around history. And now it's like, you know, we're rioting, we're looting. We've seen this play before. We saw, we saw this happen in Baltimore after they killed Freddie Gray. We saw this in Ferguson after they killed Michael Brown. You ask me, it's part of the healing process. People are upset. This is generations of blood on white America's hands. It's only so much that people could take. And like, we know how this, and unfortunately, a lot of us know how, that, what, how this chapter is gonna end too with George Floyd. No, even, if, even if they give one of those cops, it was four, four different cops that killed that man. One was complicit and two others held him down while uh, Derek put his knee in his neck and suffocated him. They are all murderers. Right. Even if one gets slapped with a sentence, what is it going to be five years, 10 years? Then they put them in the privileged prisons. Like, no, it's only white cops and white vigilantes that get away with this. Yeah. So my question for you, Tammy, is what's the solution? I mean, I feel like there and again, I hate to be like that loose, unhinged radical on the show, except I don't really hate it. I love it. Um, there is no real solution except to disalign ourselves with the status quo and the system in place. The thing is, we have to remember that a lot of the police officers out on the street right now are black and brown. Like, I was at Barclays on Friday night. I went to the Fort Greene faction and then I joined the Brooklyn Museum faction. And let me just say, a lot of those officers are officers of color. Dis align yourselves because once you validate the master you become the master and this is the exact kind of issue i have with you know the discourse that we have around our black businesses why are we valuing making profit for the system 
when it is the system that behooves us. I don't understand why we put so much stock into flaunting our degrees and flaunting our worth. I don't understand why the Christian Coopers of the world have to exclaim that they are Harvard graduates. We as a community need to seriously, and what I mean by this is the NAACP, as well as all black organizations in the United States need to reevaluate what black financial security looks like in the United States without a deep affiliation to the white capitalist system. And we need to call on our community to remove ourselves from systems that perpetuate violence against us, such as the military and the police force. I know that this is a really big ask, but for me, it's literally the only step forward. Otherwise, we just have this same infighting where there's some of us that want to be more radical and then some of us that are like, well, what about our jobs and our families? So that's the only solution for me. Um, Stanley, when we were talking about solutions offline, you were the one who raised the question of, is it time to be done with white people? What do you mean by that? And is that the solution here? So what I meant was it is time to give up on white people and that give up on the idea that they will see the error of their ways and they will be accountable for their privilege and they will talk to their dirty, nasty, savage uncles and aunties who voted for Trump and they'll talk to their dirty, incest-loving family members who don't like black people. It's time to give up on that. White people, like majority of white people will not stand. They will not. Why? Because why would they? Because to stand means to give up your power. And who wants to give up their power? There has been no time in this world where someone has given up power willingly. It's been taken. So let me be clear about that. Um, does that mean that every single white person is racist? Absolutely. Does that mean that every single white person can't be trusted? No, that's not what that means. But it does mean that we need to stop wasting our time and trying to explain racism to white people. They get it. We need to stop wasting our time explaining privilege to white people. They get it. We need to stop wasting our time trying to explain why kneeling is important for white people. They get it. And if a white person at this point still doesn't get it, that's a white person you don't need in your life. They can go back to the caves they came from. Now, as far as tangible solutions, there are some policy pieces that I want to make sure we talk about. And I want to be clear, policy does not solve all the problems. It is pretty much a piece of tape to hold it together until we can dismantle this entire system. But for the time being, it's one of the tools we have to help to delegitimize the police industrial complex. We have in New York State legislation right now that Andrew Cuomo was blocking because he's garbage, the Community Safe Act, which would repeal 50A, which is the law right now that protects police from having all of their violations made public and protecting the police having to make public what they do to cops who do crappy things. We also have the legalizing marijuana and putting that money back into black and brown communities. That's a, that's a bill that's up for negotiation. Then there's a STAT Act, and that bill would force the police to release stats on how they are arresting and engaging with all communities and hold stats on the people that they shoot and assault so that we have that because we don't have that. Then, of course, a permanent special prosecutor that we can have all cases where crazy things like this happen go to that person. And that prosecutor would be separate from the police department and from the governor so that they can do their job the way that we 
They can be trusted. Andrew Cuomo tried to lie and say that he did this with an executive order. It was a one-time thing that he has to renew every time a case happens. Don't give him a break. This needs to be a law. And then, of course, we got to reduce unnecessary arrests for non-criminal offenses because a big reason of why people are having so much engagement with the police is because the police have to pad their stats with stupid broken windows policing. So those, those are some things you can do in New York State right now. If you're not in New York State and you want to get involved, I would suggest looking up Tamika Mallory's organization, Until Freedom, who's doing work all across the, the U.S. right now. They're in Minneapolis right now. Look into your local Black Lives Matter chapters. Look into Black Youth Project 100, BYP 100, and get involved. We'll also be trying to provide some resources for you folks. Because, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. This, the real solution is not short term. It's not even in our lifetimes, but we got to do the work now. We have to fight now so that things can be slightly better and easier for the next generation and they can do the work. So it's up to us to carry the baton until we can't carry it anymore. And at least for now, that's the best that we can do. Tiffany, I want to definitely get your final thoughts here. Final thoughts on the matter. Solutions moving forward. Where do we go from here? Uh, for solutions, definitely I echo a lot of the policy pieces that Stan Lee brought up. I will also add that there was this young person, I think he's a part of DSA, he created a list of all of the elected officials that have received money PBA in New York. In New York State, obviously I'm in New York. And I think that's really important because if you're an elected official that is on Twitter currently denouncing this police brutality that we're seeing and they're taking money, from them, we need to make sure they give that money back. So we need to denounce that. And also the whole defund the police campaign. Yep. To bring back to, uh, I think Stanley mentioned earlier, I think the police budgets, it might be reduced by like less than 1%, but still going to be in the billions <laughs> nonetheless. Six billion. I excuse me? Six billion dollars is going yeah, to be. Still, still in the billions. I think we really need to start hitting these police unions, like you said, that have way too many power, made too much power, and really block a lot of these progressive legislations. And I would say that the, you know how we have like, these police brutality cases and the taxpayer has to pay. That officer that we saw out in the Lower East Side, he was a uh, Dominican, I believe. He had his knee also on someone's um, neck. He cost the city $200,000. That needs to be coming out of the police budget. And imagine if those sort of cases are being paid by the police unions and the budget, you'll be amazed how quickly they're gonna remember, oh no, I can't beat you up because I have to pay $500 and they will quickly be bankrupt. So I really think we need to start pushing our elected officials to one, stop taking money from police unions and also create you know, um, and put out laws that really put the onus of responsibilities, not on the taxpayers, but on these police unions and the police departments themselves that has $6 billion. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate. I echo everything that you guys just said. Thank you so much. I just want to end by saying this because a lot of times I feel like we push the narrative of the end all be all is to go vote and to look black and brown elected officials and politicians. That is, I'm not saying that is the end all be all. That is not what we are saying. Because number one, I was reading this article that said, uh, black when uh, the Black Panther Party was very prevalent and was making uh, community changes um, and was, you know, out on those streets and they were burning down everything from Detroit to Rots to Watts back in the 60s. 
what happened was that's when we really started to see a surge in black and brown elected leaders uh, getting, getting basically elected to office. And what happened in turn, people stopped protesting because it was like, should I go rally? Should I go protest in the streets? Or should I just give my civil complaint to my elected leader and let them handle it, right? So the two go hand in hand. We've seen this chapter play out as well in history. Yeah, we, we can elect local leaders who look like us, but no one's here for tokenism. Like all this talk like, oh, Biden needs a black VP, a black woman VP. For what? If the policies and the legislation and the laws aren't in place that protect us. I don't care if Stacey Abrams is VP. You think that doesn't mean I won't get shot? Like you gotta be kidding me. Like we can't get caught up in that. Yes, I am going to be one of the first people that vote in November, do not get me wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we have to stay in these streets even when the world reopens, even when COVID goes away, even when there's about six weeks or six months before we, before we watch the next black or brown person be gunned down on video. We have to stay in these streets. We have to keep our foots on their necks figuratively. And that's the only way we're getting changed. And for everybody who was like, oh, I don't believe in rioting, then you don't believe that the, the, the police officers that killed Freddie Gray should be brought to justice because that's the only way they were brought to justice. It's because they burnt down Baltimore and they got people's attention. That's the only way. And like, I, at the end of the day, if you can't understand that level of frustration, I don't know what to tell you, but please sit down and shut up, stay on the sidelines because we're really trying to make changes. And like, we're really trying to change things so that the next generation of people don't have to go through this. And it is going to mean bloodshed. It is going to be putting lives on the line. And I get it. It's not, not everyone's built for that. But at the end of the day, you need to find your role so that you can be part of the solution here because that's what we need. And the solutions are multifaceted. Yes, it means voting. Yes, it means keeping up with what's going on with policy and legislation. Yes, it means attending rallies. It means organizing. It means activism. It means staying in the streets. It means staying informed, staying educated, and staying empowered. It means all of these things. Find your role. Do it well. Let's work together collectively to make some change. On that note, I want to thank everyone who was tuned in to today's episode of Be Her Talk. Shout out to everyone who was listening live via Facebook. Uh, we appreciate you uh, guys again. We appreciate everyone who's watching us via Zoom and everyone who is listening to this episode via podcast. Please share it. Hashtag Be Heard. Also, you can tag us Be Her Talk. Also, please support us by giving to our GoFundMe or our Patreon account because when you support us, we support the issues and causes that you care about. So again, it's about working together in unity and as a collective so that we can be the change that we need. Thank you. Thanks y'all. Peace.